Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve Well, good morning again. For those of you who maybe don't know me, um, haven't had the pleasure of shaking your hand yet, I am Pastor Logan. Uh, Clearly, I'm not as good looking as Pastor Mike, so I guess you're just going to have to get used to it. Um, I wanted to give a special um, welcome to those who may be new with us today. If this is your first time, you know, tuning in to Bethel Brandon, whether it's online or in person, thank you for coming. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can go bug Pastor Glenn. I'm just kidding. You can come talk to me as well. Um, Or an usher or anybody, really. We want to help serve you as best as we can. So, I am extremely honored and excited to be here. Because first of all, I didn't realize this until I kind of started looking back. But this Sunday last year was the first time I preached here, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, And so I was like, oh wow, it's been like... I've been here a year in June, but I don't know. I'm a big history guy. So looking back and being like, wow, it was exactly the last Sunday in August my first summer was done here. Then we come full circle. Um, So I'm always honored and extremely excited to preach because um, God lays something on our hearts. And I am really excited to talk about it. And the reality is, this is not the first or the second time we have talked or that I have talked about this topic Publicly. So as Pastor Mike rudely spoiled last week, if you were here, um, I'm going to be talking about um, something that we've done on our podcast as well. The last two episodes have been all about this topic. And it's this idea of the power of words. What do our words mean? What kind of actions do they t- can they have? All those kinds of things. And so if you haven't already, I really encourage you please go and listen to the last two episodes of Forgiven um, because I just don't have enough time to cover everything, you know, in a sermon. And so please go and listen to them. They're on the website. You can hit, they're on all the platforms. If we're not on a specific platform that you're like, Pastor Logan, I really listen to this. Like, I love all my podcasts in one place on this specific app. Let me know and I'll get us available on there. But you can listen directly on our website. You can just hit you know, www.bethelbrandon.ca slash Forgiven Podcast, and you can listen to the whole back catalog as well. Um, so uh, please do that. Now, enough selfish plugs. I'm not here to just talk about the podcast. I'm here to talk about what God has put on my heart. And for me, I am a huge history nerd. I love history. I love studying history. I always have. Those were always my best grades in school. And so what if I asked you, What is significant about July 16th, 1945? Does anybody actually know why that date is significant? Well, the reason that date is so important is because on that date, July 16th, 1945, the first nuclear bomb, codenamed Trinity, was launched in a desert in New Mexico. Uh, And this was essentially the first weapon of mass destruction, the first WMD. There have been a lot since then, and you know, um, but this is sort of where the classification started. Uh, This bomb that they tested was so powerful that it would equal the amount of 25 kilotons of force. And specifically, 25 kilotons of TNT. So basically, it would, that's how much expansive force would come out, was 25 
kilotons. And to get that type of explosion, you would need 25,000 pounds of TNT. So essentially, you could say 1,000 pounds is equal to one kiloton in an explosive force. That amount, that 25,000 pounds, is the size of the Hubble Space Telescope. That is the size of a pretty full semi-truck. That's a huge amount of explosives. So that is 25,000 singular explosions all equaling what this one device was capable of doing. And that wasn't even the final product. That was just a test. So that is how powerful this was. And all of this was famously part of the Manhattan Project. Some of us may have heard of that. It was the idea that, you know, the United States government during World War II and before took a bunch of scientists from all around the world and brought them all together to then create weapons of mass destruction. And this is where we famously get the first and only two nuclear weapons to have been used on human beings with, you know, the end of World War II being Hiroshima and Nagasaki, where the U.S. military used these two weapons of mass destruction. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's too bold to say these acts of power absolutely changed humanity and the course of history forever. See, these weapons were so destructive, in fact, they were so powerful that five years, four years later, in 1949, they were absolutely prohibited by the Geneva Convention. For those that don't know, the Geneva Convention is essentially the rules in which countries can engage in war. So make sure that there's humanity still. Talk about powerful! They got outlawed! This team of 400 people literally had the power of life and death in their hands. Now, obviously, they, they, they chose the death option, but when you're at war and there's you know, tons of stakes on the line, it's a very different type of decision to make. Some of you may have famously heard of Robert J. Oppenheimer. He's kind of the, the, the spearhead behind this. There's even a movie out about him right now. Um, and he famously says, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. He understood the power that he was wielding. But what if I told you Every single human being has that same level of destructive power. So, if you're, if you're into note-taking, or you like fancy, catchy titles like I do, you can title this, Words of Mass Destruction. So, obviously, when we look at anything like this, when we do a sermon, we need to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about it? Now, the Bible talks essentially an endless amount of times about this um, sort of idea of the power of words and, and words of mass destruction. And so I was only able to pick a couple of them that we're going to talk about today. And the first is Proverbs 18.21. It says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So anytime we read the Bible, we need to understand context. We need to understand what happens before, 
what happens after. Except not all the time. And this is one of those times because Proverbs is a book that is written, you know, a culmination of a bunch of little tidbits and sayings put together that were famously said by King Solomon, who was gifted with wisdom from God. So when you read Proverbs, it's not like you're reading a gospel where you should look back at the last, like, couple of verses to see the story. This isn't a narrative story where it goes from point A to point B to point C. It's just a collection of, of written things together. And there are many different genres of um, Proverbs. So, and I'm not going to go through and, you know, talk about all of them because that's a whole sermon in and of itself. Um, but essentially, sometimes Proverbs is just a straight up one sentence to two sentence independent clause of an idea. And that's that. And luckily for me, that's what ours is. It is a straight up one to two sentence piece of advice. And so whenever I think about this, I like to sort of modernize it in my thinking. So you could actually say um, that um, Proverbs, when it talks about words of mass destruction, it says um, words, whether spoken, written, typed, heard, you know, read, prayed, think of any adjective or, or, or verb that you put there, and they hold the power to arouse emotion and to elicit a response. And doing my research, this proverb is basically the roots of the phrase, you live and die by the words that you speak. Or you live and die by the words that you hear or the words that you say. And so that's what this proverb is talking about. It's essentially saying, and that's what the end part is saying, those who love it will eat its fruit. You reap what you sow. So if you speak negatively about something, you're going to get a negative reaction. If you speak positively about something, you will get a positive reaction. And it falls on us to make sure that we are doing everything we can to provide a positive reaction. Because I don't know how the person is going to react. And in some cases you do. If you're obviously being really antagonistic, then you know they're going to be antagonistic back. But it's up to us. The onus is on us. It's not the recipient. We can't tell them how to feel. We can only control what we can say. I like to think about it this way. Think about your name. A lot of the parents, I think everybody will understand this. Most of us have two to three to four names, right? You have a first, middle, and a last name. When I was a kid and growing up, I could tell the scale of how much trouble I was in by how many names my mom used when she called me. So if she just said, hey, Logan, can you come here? I was like, oh, whatever. I, you know, left something out, not a big deal. If she said, Logan T-Tart, come here. I was like, oh, uh-oh, what did I do? But I knew it was something really bad if she used all three of my names. If she was, Logan Allen T-Tart, you get your butt over here right now. Goosebumps. Frozen. You know, I was like, my life is over. Because when you, those words have power. When you use all three of your names, it adds severity to the situation. Now, I'll be honest, I almost rarely got all three names used because I was the good son. So I was really well behaved, of course, always. Um, but the reality is, the words that she used 
And she used them purposefully, obviously. It wasn't like she just yelled them or talked to me for no reason. I obviously deserved what I was getting. Um, But the words we speak have power. The words that she spoke had power. It immediately elicited an emotional response from me. I wasn't joking when I said I got goosebumps. I did. Because I understood that, like, I was caught. Right? Nine times out of ten, I deserved, you know, the, the talking to that I was about to get. Because I started to feel guilt and shame and, you know, maybe even a little bit of fear of, of what disciplinary action that I'm going to receive or, or whatever. Because the words we speak have power. And that's what this verse is saying. It's saying the words you speak, you live and die by them. Now, I think it's actually important to take it a step further and say that we live and die by the words we hear. When I was in Bible college, I was taking this course called Communication Skills. Awesome course. Genuinely one of my favorite things that I ever took in college, if not my favorite. It was my favorite so much that I had to take it twice. Um, because the first time I took it, I was an arrogant little turd who didn't listen to my professor and thought that my words were perfect and that I was infallible. Obviously not true. And I just remember distinctly sitting in her office, um, having going over this, this big assignment. It's called a rhetorical analysis. It's like 20 pages long. It was a big assignment, one of the biggest I ever did. And it's essentially, you analyze a parable of Jesus and how he communicated. What styles did he use? And truthfully, it, it's an amazing assignment because we all read parables, and it's, an, it's one of the biggest portions of the Bible and, and all these things. But I thought I was perfect, all this stuff, and so I wasn't taking her critiques very well, and I was being very combative almost in her office. So I was like, but that's not what I said. And she's like, or the biggest line was, that's not what I meant. And she's like, it doesn't matter what you meant, that's what you said. And she's like, the reader doesn't understand what you mean, they can only read what they can read. And I just didn't click in my head, I was like, you're supposed, I was like, but that's not what I meant. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. And so I was so angry. Like, like my whole body was angry. And so I left, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go work on this, I'm going to go to the library. I rarely worked in the library, because everybody was in the library and they'd be talking and chatting and I'd get distracted and I'd get nothing done. For some reason, I felt like going to the library that day. I put my headphones in and I'm listening to music. I got my computer out and I get to work. Now, I'll be honest. Music I was listening to. Not music I should be listening to. It was, (laughs) I remember distinctly, so vividly, everything about this situation. I was listening to a song called Power. It's by Kanye West. It's like a, it's a rap song. And the only reason I was listening to it was because when I used to play sports and was in high school, I, we had like a playlist that we played before games and all that to get yourself excited. You bring the energy. You need to get angry and excited. You need to go and play football and you need to run and all stuff. And it worked. It genuinely did. But when I'm already in an emotional, volatile state, And then I listen to a song that is very not calming, isn't very conducive to a work environment, if you know what I mean. It's a very, like, hard, aggressive, like, powerful song. It just fed my anger. 
So much, in fact, that I remember feeling like I had a fever. That's how angry I was. That's my body was eliciting this emotional reaction. And like, I'm, I'm a pretty loud typer, even as it is now. But I was like hitting the keys like so hard on my keyboard because I was so loud. The librarian comes up to me and she like taps me on the shoulder. She's like, Logan, are you okay? And I was like, what? Because I had my headphones in and I was just like mad. And then she's like, well, you're typing really loud and like you're distracting people. And so I was like, okay, I, I went to my room and, and whatever. But part of me looks back on that and wonders how I would have reacted if I had listened to, say, a good, healthy worship song. Maybe I didn't listen to anything and I went for a walk and I cooled off or whatever. There's a million different things that I could have done. But the main point of that story is the words we hear have power. The words we hear control our emotional responses to things. So, just like when my mom would yell my name or whatever, and sometimes she wouldn't even yell it, sometimes she would be nice and calm about it, and that was always the scariest because I expected her to be loud. Um, and, and that elicited a certain emotional response. So we need to be careful with the things that we're intaking. The famous saying is, garbage in, garbage out. So if you're constantly listening to something that is maybe degrading and condemning or, you know, songs that have tons of swears in it or whatever, you're probably going to start swearing. When I was a teenager, I worked at Pizza Hut. I was just a cook. Kitchens are notorious for having, you know, not so good language. It was starting to affect me. All the guys around me are swearing and telling jokes and all that stuff. You want to feel like you're part of the team, so you join in. The words you hear, the words you speak all have power. But I think we understand that. I think we understand that the words we speak, the words we type, the words we write, the words you hear, the words you comment on Facebook, the words you comment on Instagram, the things you say to your family members, or the sly little comments you make when you don't think anybody can hear you. They all have power. So much power, in fact, that you have the power of life and death. The question is, which one are you going to choose to speak? The reality is, is we live and die by the words we speak, write, type, lead, sing, hear, pray, gossip, whatever. We live and die by them. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Same goes for our words. But ultimately, this all boils down to the core is that our needs, our core, the thing that we're taking in the most, needs to be God-breathed and God-centered. Let's take a look at Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 3. God spoke and said there would be light. Or, you know, in this case, it got, God said. Or God said there would be this, and then it happened. God said, let there be light. God said, let me create a human being in my image. He spoke the world into creation. 
Because words have power. Did you know that in Genesis 1, the phrase God spoke or God said is used 11 times? That is 11 times of God speaking powerful words to help form creation. Every time he spoke, he refined humanity more and more. He created us to be better and more refined and more in his image. Every time something powerful happens in the Bible, not every time, but majority of the time it says God spoke, God said. Because our words have power. Now, some of you might be sitting here thinking, well, of course, Logan, God is God. Of course he can speak things into creation. He's he's omnipotent. We're not like God. Our words don't have the same effect as God. Eh, Wrong answer. Because the same spirit that used to bring Jesus back to life that God breathed into us in creation lives in us. Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit within you. So the same spirit that created us lives in us. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us at all times. The words we say, the things we intake, need to be God centered. Because if you have God coming in, you will have God going out. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to use us to build people up, not just break them down. Our world today is already so good at knocking people down. Humanity is great at it. It's it's innate in our culture. This cancel culture, this wave of of using accountability as a way to just knock people down is is bad. It's a, it, it actually hurts my heart so much. We need to stop using words of destruction and start using words of construction. Let's start building people up. Not knocking them down. I'm going to be real for a second. We Christians today, the collective body of believers, are so good at words of destruction. We're so good at breaking people down, and we do it under this idea that what we're doing is, oh, we're keeping that person accountable. Or that person needs to learn from their mistakes, and so, and so I'm going to help, I'm going to discipline them. Or, oh yeah, yeah, that person sinned a lot, so, so we're, we're just going to keep them over there. We ostracize people, and, and, and we call people out on, on their sin, which isn't a bad thing. We do need to do that. Hear me when I say that. We need to keep people accountable. But we don't need to destroy them. We need to build them up. Our words have the power of life and death. And it is so easy for us to speak 
death over somebody. Not, not literally, but you know what I mean. It just annoys me so much that, and I have seen this in churches and online and just in church culture, that other Christians will use, like, the Bible as a way to speak badly about somebody. They'll say that, like, oh, that person sinned, and then they'll find a verse that, that corroborates that that sin is bad, and then they use it to shame the person or, or to pour guilt or fear over somebody. That, that's wrong. That's not what God wants us to do. That's not what Jesus would do. Yes, Jesus called people out on their sins, and he said, hey, look, what you're doing is wrong. But that was just step one in a, in a long program of helping the person be better. So why is it that we only start at step one knocking the person down and we don't ever build them back up? The reality is, is we have this idea that calling somebody out on their sins and essentially humiliating them with words of shame and guilt and, and fear is going to help them get better? I don't know about you, but if somebody is guilting me and shaming me about a mistake that I've made, that only makes me feel worse about myself. It doesn't actually make me want to get better. It doesn't make me want to seek the Holy Spirit to help cleanse my life of the sin. It doesn't make me do that. It makes me scared, and, and I shy away, and it makes me hide. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, the, vein, the same Spirit that breathed life into the world. So why is it that speaking words of construction is not our first response? Now, I don't have the answer. I really don't. Is it because we live in a sin-filled, broken world? I'm sure that plays into it. But we need to be better than that. We can't use that as an excuse. I want us to think about that. Why is it that our first response is to knock somebody down, not build them up? Because we live and die by the words that we speak. So if we're constantly being negative about something, we're, we're going to constantly get negative reactions. How about instead of condemning the person for their sin, we come alongside them and we ask, how can we help? Maybe you come alongside and you say, hey, what caused you to do that? You know what? We can come along, put your arm around them, and say, you know what? I love you, and I'm sorry that you're going through this. How can I help? You pray for them. You don't walk over to somebody and be like, man, did you hear what Jim Bob did over there? Yeah, he, he's really sinning. That doesn't help anybody. You now spoke something negative about that person and whether or not they they might not hear it you're still your words have power more power than we ever know more power than it nor more power than the nuclear bomb because we all have it inside of us not all of us has a nuclear bomb let's start using words of mass construction our words should arouse good and healthy emotions from people not negative and condemning ones 
obviously there comes a time and a place when you need to have a crucial conversation with somebody who obviously might be making mistakes and sinning. Then you go and you confront them, but you don't start talking badly about them and downcasting them and condemning them for all their sins. That's, That's not what you do. You confront them on it and you say, hey, look, I'm noticing you've been doing this. How can we help? Changes the conversation. It changes that person's mentality completely. You know, as we wrap up, I, uh, when I was researching, I found this really powerful quote that I want to share with you. It's by a pretty famous author, Yehuda Berg. They state that words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. We can use, we can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement, or destructively, using words of despair. Words have energy and and power with the ability to help, to heal, to humble, or to hurt, to harm, to be humiliated. Let's remember that as we leave here today. What words are you going to choose to speak into a situation? You know, in youth, um, we sometimes play games where students get to submit their answers. And my rule of thumb is, and I say this to everybody all the time, if you wouldn't say it in front of Jesus, if you wouldn't say it in front of your parents, probably shouldn't say it. I think that's a good rule of life for all of us. So the next time you think that your innocent comment on Facebook doesn't mean anything, Think again. The next time you think your, you know, sly conversation about somebody, think again. The words we speak have power, and they elicit emotional responses and actions from people, and it's our job to make sure that we are doing that well, that we are stewarding that power well. So I'm going to pray. I think Pastor Glenn's coming up. There he is. Um, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us can be the guide for us so that when we take God in, we can let God out. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. God, thank you that you breathed life into us and that you created this amazing world that we get to live in. God, I pray that as we leave here today, God, that we stop using words of destruction and we start using words of construction. I pray that our first response is not to knock somebody down, but to build them back up. God, I pray that you give us the boldness and the courage to step up and to help people, not hurt them. God, that the words we speak are God-breathed and God-centered. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and you be with each and every one of us as we leave here today. God, that we use you as the center to draw from. That it is always God in, God out. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. 
Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.